I'm speaking today with Marwa Eldawini. Marwa is a native of Egypt, where she is an assistant lecturer at Mania University, for, from which she is currently on sabbatical leave. She did stints as a research scholar at University of Tartu in Estonia, and now at the Free University of Brussels in Belgium, VUB. Importantly, for the purposes of this conversation, she is also the founder and host of the Soft Robotics podcast, in my opinion, the premier forum for soft materials researchers on the internet. She has hosted conversations with renowned scientists in the field, such as George Whitesides and Alison Nakamura, and is inspiring scientists at all ages with her message of inclusion and advocacy. So welcome, Marwa, to Molecular Podcasting. First of all, thanks a lot for this introduction. Uh, I'm so grateful for being here on your podcast. Uh, it's such an honor to be here. And I'd like to thank you also for your podcast. I think it's a very good resource for students and scientists. So I'm so humbled to be in your podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Well, the pleasure is all mine. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Um, First, I wonder if you could tell the audience a little about your current position. Uh, the system in Egypt and Europe might be unfamiliar to some people in our audience. Yeah, sure. Uh, currently, I'm, I'm doing PhD uh, in, in soft robotics, uh, that you mentioned at University of Brussels at VUB. And yeah, indeed, uh, the system in Egypt is different from Europe and US uh, because, as you mentioned, uh, I, I'm holding a position, which is tenured position at uh, at my university and I'm on sabbatical leave. So yeah, the process is different because um, I left my home university because uh, I was seeking uh, opportunities just to maybe to learn more and having new experiences. So, and uh, also I, I consider it, I left it for personal and also professional reasons. So it's different because here you have to uh, seek tenure after postdoc. And it's kind of for me, uh, uh, a puzzle for me because I have been have this position, but I never thought about tenure like something I to pursue. So it is different for me. But for me, what my belief is, I don't care about tenure. To be honest, uh, I have I, I don't mind to leave a tenure job as long as I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, or maybe if the beliefs not belong with or not aligned with my beliefs. So, so when I see the discussion. Uh, about tenure, I understand how it's important, but for me, um, I know it's a risk, but um, I think the most important thing is to enjoy what you're doing. And that's what I'm doing right now, regardless of tenure or not. Yeah. yeah. So it is a, uh, a sense of passion for yeah. science and communication and uh, artwork, which I hope we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but first, I'd like to ask you about how did you develop your interest in science and robotics and soft robotics in mm -hmm. particular? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, I think um, this is developed, I think, when I was secondary school. My late mom, she always inspired me to work hard. And and to be honest, I have some kind of maybe imposter syndrome. Maybe I didn't believe in myself because I was the first engineer in my family. So it was for me, I, I was always wanted to do something engineering or companies. or and that's why my mom always pushed me uh, to believe in myself. And I think she she was the biggest inspiration for me. And I entered the faculty of engineering and I was inspired by just, I don't know, but I don't, I don't assume that I'm smart or something. I'm still learning, but yeah, I was interested in understanding or maybe I want to know something. And yeah, I just want to do something meaningful for the people. So. Of course, in, in, in the school and uh, I mean, in bachelor degree, I 
uh, of course, I have a view about education system, and that's something I want. I hope we can change how the education system in in undergrad and grad school as well. But I think uh, it all shaped me a lot to to grasp interest. And basically, I was interested in uh, aerospace engineering, and I was really fascinated by uh, aerospace and how the aircraft is run and just as an engine. And I even got training at uh, Egypt Airport about uh, oh, how wow. the engine work. So and and for only the first day in my training, I was 19 and uh, at Egypt Airport, and my mom did it the same day, and I couldn't go to the training, and that was. Uh, I just was determined that I want to continue and uh, and I went to the training and then after I again I don't believe in system again I was a top student but I don't believe in top student again I don't believe in grades and this system again but that what happened back then and and I got employed as teaching assistant and after masters uh, also in, in anti-stealth technology how we can detect the stealth aircraft I got promoted as a lecturer but if you told me that, uh, are you think that's, yeah, that's part of my uh, my personality. But uh, now I don't believe in the system again about the grades or, yeah, or the titles. I don't believe in that anymore. What did your parents do, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, they both were teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my neither of my parents are scientists either. My father yeah. is a tailor, and my mother is a librarian yeah. and uh, artist. Both of uh, them right. are retired, although uh, you know my mom can continue to do our work uh, yeah. at home. Um, what made you interested in public outreach and communication, and particularly the podcast? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, of course, there's two aspects for that. First of all, I when I was a kid, I think I was fascinated by the radio. And when I'm listening to the host and, and I can see the audience say that we can see you, not listen to you. And that was fascinating to me, how the sound can, you can be mesmerized by the sound and, and makes you imagine something you never saw. And and my mom also liked it so much, the radio, and I, I was always wanted to do something like hosting something when I was, as a kid. And never mind with that, I was really interested by BBC technology, podcasting. I was always wanted, I wanted to present something like that. I, I really loved that so much. But this is what like kept in the drawer and never been done. And I was always remember when I'm just taking my voice memo and just try to say something with my voice. And I, do, I, do, I don't say that I have a good voice, but at least uh, that something may have a, a strange feeling for me. But again, this is kept in the, in the drawer and until there's a story behind why I started the podcast itself. And maybe that's a core point about why I started the podcast. So basically, mm-hmm. uh, as I told you, I left uh, my position to get a, a PhD. And uh, it's also for me escape because for specific reasons that I, I couldn't really belong anymore in the place I was in. So I, I it's like a new reborn. I was reborn again where I, I, I go. It was in France, by the way. And uh, yeah, I, I started working in, in, in a group, which I'm grateful. I learned also from this group a lot. So um, I was started working on a smart material, which is ionic conductive polymer. And um, my job is to simulate this material. and. And for me, I was always interested in material science since I was an undergrad and master's thesis. I used also material for anti-stills technology, which is rather absorbent material. And um, when I started, I think soft robotics was for me that that's something very interesting. It's 
outside the box because in my university all the attention was focused on the rigid robots and and I didn't like that I, I just when I found soft robotics and how they can be the material itself can be intelligently computed uh, actuation and sensing at the same time that was fascinating to me and I wanted to do that uh, and that's why I got this opportunity but I didn't I didn't know that I, when I left Egypt because of course all respect to my home country but the system was uh, a lot of politics incorporated and that's why I didn't like it I thought maybe in the west is a bit different but uh, it wasn't a little bit different because I think academic culture sometimes is yeah I don't want to sound bad here I'm sorry but yeah there's something common yeah but anyway uh, I started working this material and uh, as like any student I I was looking for the literature and trying to understand how to do modeling and I looked as though the model available and uh, all the model really doesn't capture the dynamics of this material. This material is high nonlinear and uh, anisotropic and, and viscous. I didn't find any of these uh, modeling techniques uh, so there's limitation and I, the tool I was using for simulation was tailored for certain material. It was not tailored for viscoelastic material, and I think that's maybe the the bottleneck here. How uh, maybe the conflict, not a conflict, but when you force it to work on something, and you know there's something here. So like uh, I tried to raise that to my supervisor that uh, this is something we can use this tool for this material. And I was traveling to another city, which is uh, away from the city I was in, like two hours to do the experiment with the material. And I fell in love with this material. I'm honest with you. When I'm going in the car, I just think about this material. And but what material was it? Ionic conductive polymer. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when I get because when I get actual experiments, the characterization, I I was like, this is you have to understand how this material behaves. When I because I was forced to do something. This is something can not be done in this way if we don't understand how it's happening. And I, I really worked hard. I remember that I, I just didn't know how, how the actual life happening. I was really like buckled in, in the office or in the lab to understand this material. But I was raising that I, this is, this is limitation here. This is cannot be done. But this is, was not welcome because of the ego here, because that's issue we discuss sometimes what comes about ego. If you have an ego and you don't accept that there's something here, limitation, um, that, that was the beginning maybe because I, I assume that when you are a beachy student, you're assumed, and that's part of culture, to be submissive. You can't raise your concern. And that's something about ego that uh, I, I know everything. You have to do that. And for example, there's a... Uh, again, I'm, I'm not assuming that I'm the good guy here and there are... Because I think I also contribute about how maybe I delivered my concern. Maybe uh, that's I learned the hard way how to be maybe more uh, nicer. Maybe I don't know, but that what happened. But I I think uh, there's a lot of red flag. For example, I I have to use this material at this time. It's toxic, and we have to use it for cochlear implant. And and this material is toxic. And I ask it how how we can use this material and toxic, and the answer was is this is for research. And that doesn't make sense to me. And is this toxic material? So how we can use it? Uh, and and the other side, for example, about um, the publication. So, for example, in simulation, the the result doesn't really converge with this material at all. 
and that's that shame that you have to hack the the, the results so that you can publish. And, and, and that's so the so the reason for the podcast was to develop a um, a broader pool of expertise uh, that was of it than you had available to you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm not saying that I'm expert in everything. That's part of the story. Uh, uh, yeah, but long story short, I don't want it to go for more details. It ended up they didn't like how I, the lab resources was frozen that because of uh, I had this argument that of course there are many details, but the argument uh, about that and and it ended up I, I, do, I just want to continue, but it ended up that he said that I doubt uh, what you did. Although at this time I got two grants from top conferences time, and I was really working hard. But he, I think, the, he didn't like uh, maybe the argument or at, at this time, I don't know that what happened, but I was forced to leave. And uh, and that was really, maybe that was for me a life-changing experience, to be honest, uh, because uh, I was by myself alone at this time. I'm, I didn't expect to, that would happen. And uh, yeah, I, I ended up that I have to leave uh, the lab and I was waiting two months to find uh, other institution to host me but i think this moment of forced being to leave because that's why i started the podcast that's the reason why i started because uh, when someone undermines the center belief of, uh, of what you're doing and he said to me you will never ever uh, succeed in this field you will not get an opportunity to be in this field and uh, and i think that was yeah, that was hard. Uh, but I think what I remember at this time, I just, uh, I was believing myself. I told them, that's, that's your opinion, but I believe in myself. And I think what, uh, what you did, you're expert in something. Because I learned a lot from this group, to be honest. I'm, I'm st yeah, yeah I still have a good relationship with engineer and student. But I told them, you're expert in that, and you're not expert in this material. And that was a struggle that even the podcast, how the material science should communicate with robotists and how we can merge the missing pieces. And I think it comes down that, that that's the issue of many students. I'm not the only one. I, I know there are many stories like that. Maybe I'm privileged to, to use the story today. But uh, I, I think that's something best to him off. It's like challenge. You are just nothing. And when I complained for, for that, the head of the school, she know that uh, uh, that uh, I have a grants. Uh, I got to grants. I was working hard, and I didn't have the most important thing. I didn't get a constructive feedback. And when you have doubt about work, you tell me why. And what's funny about that, and that's part of the story. There was another student, and he was very well known as a field, and wasn't allowed to defend his PhD, and he had that very important publication, and no one know about that. Now, how many years did he spend only years. to be? Wow. Yeah, and and that's sad. I'm sorry. Maybe some people will hate to listen to that, but uh, maybe I, I maybe after this podcast I will sound bad. But I'm sorry. I'm just telling what happened. Uh, this student wasn't allowed to defend, and I has the option that if you want to continue in this work, you will not allowed to be defend like this guy. And and that's like threatening. That uh, and I thought that okay because I didn't want to go. And you know, it's not easy to go and, and leave country and just, it's it's not fun, you know, it's not sure. fun at all. And when I complained to head of the school, 
and I saw that he can protect and that is the rule of university. She told me if I were in your position, I will go to another country. And what is funny is uh, because uh, at this time I was, you can imagine if any student be international and by himself or herself, it's not fun to be in this situation. It's like right. really it's already an outsider and it takes a long time to yeah. even Indeed. build up enough comfort where where you've landed yeah yeah indeed indeed uh, and i i remember at this time i i, I still passionate about this material and i told him i i just wanna to do some experiment and i wanted to add a collaborator uh, i told him why you did that uh, you know if you doubt where my work tell me what you did i need an answer for why you did that and the, i didn't get an answer it was like when you're hitting a wall and i know that was racist I'm sorry, but I know not the only case, but I know that's not the right place for me, but it was a challenge, who will accept me? And the story not end here, because that's, I tell you how, when you give so much power, and that's power disparity in academia, uh, to someone will abuse it. And sometimes they, they, they deal like they are, have the infinite power. And I was asking many people at this time, and I was turning down. I was like, you know, when someone is seeking help and I have this uh, brand since uh, for when I stayed, uh, no one helped me. And I, some people, because a friend this was this BI, so they turned me down as well. And I found myself like, you know, someone's like blacklisting someone uh, just. And at this time I had to publish something. Uh, it was a workshop and, uh, in Iris and uh, and I, I didn't have enough money, to be honest. I didn't have enough money and and I didn't accept the failure. The most important thing, I moved from Egypt because I have no, you know, when someone leaves the nest and that's my situation, I can't go back again. It's like, it's like, not easy. You don't accept the failure. And I, at the same time, I'm in a situation I never expected to be in. And, uh, and I, I decided to go and present this work in the workshop. Okay, I resigned and nothing I can lose at this time. And Which workshop I, was this? It, it was in Iris, uh, to Southern okay. Yeah. And when I went, I, uh, he found that I was there and, and he sent me an email that you will not present your work. Someone from the workshop told him that one of your students is going to present. And I was resigned at the time. And he sent me an email, you will not present this work. I told them you're not here. And I told him, I'm waiting in the reception, I will present my work. And he told me that you crossed the border, the, the, the line, just to eat. this is too much. And he asked me, and that's still the bullying, how, how, how is this happening in, in the field, the bullying? He told me to wait outside the conference. And uh, there was a friend of mine, uh, uh, he supported me at this time, he was waiting from the other side and see what happening. And he started bullying me and he said to me, Literally, I'm so much appreciated in the field and no one will accept you. And uh, I told him, I didn't want to leave you. You forced me to leave. And he said, how you dare you, you can present this work. This work um, you did in my lab or I told him, okay, but you doubt it. And, and that's, he told me, if you think you come here to find a position, you will not find a position. And I can't tell you how the eye looks and the aggression. He's, I assume he's a psychopath because that's, I'm sorry, but that's reality. When we have a psychopath in the position, it's charming outside, 
but inside the wall there are many students suffering and and i think that's the, the behind that we need to help more students and i told them okay i know you appreciate in the field but um let me go I, I, what do you want and he told me that uh, he was trying to instill the fear in me you know when when you have this power disparity and someone wanted to instill the fear in you you will not do that i don't know why if you are established uh, bi why are you afraid of that is it about the mm -hmm. ego is it about that you have different opinion i don't know but i think that's something serious in academia we have to consider not yeah, for me it's but for a student. Yeah. it's a sacred trust that uh that PIs are given to have so much um, rather undeserved control over the uh, over the the lives of young people, and it's something that yeah. uh, a lot of them don't take seriously. Yeah. Um, none of them are trained to exactly. interact with other human beings, and especially to mentor them because they get their jobs on the basis of how good of a research researcher they were as a student and as a postdoc. Yeah. Um, so I can, uh, no, you know, I, I didn't have your, your situation, but I can, I've seen it uh, yeah, yeah. many you know, other times. We don't want to but, any student have a situation, but anyway. <laughs> but what you've done is, is remarkably brave because you, he, you defied this abusive PI, and then you started a podcast where you have interviewed 40 other people that are assuredly more famous and powerful than this person, <laughs> and you've learned from them. Um, so yeah. how does, yeah, what, I, was, what was I, the decision to make the first episode like, you know? Yeah. What, yeah, to be honest, you're right. But again, uh, I don't want to be looks like uh, something people mis misconception about me. But yeah, it's okay. I'm not saying you are right. Uh, that's one of the motivation, uh, to be honest, because uh, yeah. But the first episode, I think, because um, I had the opportunity uh, after securing a position and I have quite a lot of money to do to buy a mic and uh, travel to conference and that was the first episode with an, at a conference and was with Robert Shepard he's the first one in the, in the podcast yeah we were lab mates actually yeah, for yeah. a year in the white sides lab <laughs> yeah yeah indeed and yeah and of course I know the audio quality was not great but yeah that was a start and I, I was like all the question to be honest all the question I wanted to ask I just bought it inside. And I would like also thank you, Professor Fumia Leading, because I think uh, he's really so supportive. He supported me a lot and he pushed me to do this idea. I told them I, I need to do this podcast and I will be a side of activity for IEEE soft robotics. And he, he really believed in that. So I'm, I'm really grateful for him so much, Fumia Leading. So this is in, in Brussels. No, no, no. Fumia Lidi, he's uh, the chair and founder of IEEE Soft Robotics uh, okay. Technical Committee. So uh, he's not really my supervisor, but he, he's a chair and a co and founder of IEEE Soft Robotics Technical Committee. He's an Okay, I got manager. it. For, forgive yeah. me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, and and that's how it started. I I, I started from this point and, and yeah, and at first start, of course, I didn't know how to... 
I didn't really think about listener, but I was afraid at first time to put yourself out there. But yeah, and, and then uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I found myself that, yeah, the podcasting process itself it changed a lot of me and I gained a lot of skills. And also how to ask a question. Of course, I'm not perfect in that, but I'm still learning. But I think oh, it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think the motivation is all the question I wanted to ask, I want to ask. I bought it in the in the podcast list question, and all the something I do like about how academia is run, I ask it all in the podcast, and that's simply. But again, I'm still learning, so I'm I'm not assuming that something. Yeah. What is your response rate like when you send an email out to some super famous scientist? Yeah. How often do they say yes? It sounds like a lot because yeah. a lot of them have said yes. Yeah, that's really. I think. Uh, yeah. That's really was really uh, a wonderful feeling, especially for George White Sides, because I was really wanted to to have this conversation with him so much. I don't know why, but he was really fa fascinating to me, and and I really enjoyed when he said yes. I, sometimes it take two months, three months, someone to reply, and yeah, I think I'm so fortunate that uh, most of them just reply. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. How about the feedback that you've gotten from people in the community? Uh, yeah. What has that been like? I'm so grateful, to be honest. Uh, the feedback from the guest itself, I think sometimes he sends this email and uh, yeah, I, it's really great feeling when someone tells you a compliment about that or of course I'm still not have a huge number, still small, so not so many numbers, but yeah, when someone send me, I believe in what you do. Just one or two. I'm, I don't say huge numbers, but it it means a lot to me. But of course, sometimes I have to. I have to be honest. I have this imposter syndrome. I don't believe sometimes, and I believe in myself. But I, I'm sometimes I'm harsh on myself. I, I need to work. Sometimes I assume I'm I'm dumb, but I have to. Yeah, I still have this sort of feeling that uh, I don't know. Maybe that's something not good, but. Uh, yeah, it's good to listen, but sometimes I am critique to myself. I I think I have to learn because I, I really want to learn. There's a lot of things I don't know yet. Yeah. One thing I remember being a guest on your show was the list of questions, and I had notes that you sent me ahead of time, yeah. and I had notes on each one. But of course, you can never predict what direction the conversation is going to yeah. go, so you have to be able to think on your feet as the interviewer and yeah. be able to, uh, to to guide the discussion. And sometimes you skip yeah. several <laughs> questions yeah. on your list yeah. or you have to reformulate them on the fly. And I've found that that has been the most difficult part yeah. of doing, yeah. doing this. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, to, to have a conversation, I think that's something is, is it, it's challenging because, to be honest, I receive some comments that, uh, and when I have a feedback, sometimes you focus on the question. So I'm trying now how to be smoother a little bit in the conversation, and not because it's stressing that you won't ask this question and this maybe question pops up in the time. It's a skill and it takes time. It's not. And easy. sometimes maybe you don't necessarily like where the conversation's going, and you want to get back to your list because you know yeah. that the audience wants to know about. Yeah. 
you know, your the the uh, the most beautiful equation or scientific yeah. principle, and what inspired your yeah. uh, your guest to 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 want to do uh, robotics. There are some uh, podcasters. Um, it, I can think of uh, Tyler Cowen uh, on Conversations with Tyler, who's an he's an economist, yeah. and his questions are completely disjointed. I mean, there's one question on you know. Uh, pizza and then the next question is about some kind you know opinions on John Locke or something <laughs> so there's sometimes very little coherence but it works because that's the style and yeah. I think people are interested in the answers um, so you mentioned on your website that you are that you do a lot of reading so yeah. what uh, what do you read yeah I, I love reading so much and I think uh, I have a stories with some with a book is, is called uh, I think it's a very famous book The Power of Positive Thinking is is by Norman Vincent Peale I think it's a very fam famous book uh, um, and also there's a book on business for punk and and both of them is just uh, really of course there are a lot of books but this is uh, maybe the power of positive, positive thinking is resonate to me so much uh, of course the book is about Christianity so I really like it so much about uh, and this is one statement resonate with me as well when you say that uh, positive pattern of thought can it change the fact, and that happened when this BRI uh, forced me to go, and I I kept trusting that, um, and that's something uh, I think um, maybe sometimes I want to say something to maybe student listening that sometimes things happen it sounds really bad, and it takes time to figure out that was prepared you for something good and. And and that's at this time the positive pattern of thought can it change the fact? It's very profound when I read that. That means that if you have the right energy and you still believe in that something good is going to happen to you, I think that's very powerful. And I, I think uh, that leads me to lead about the, how the energy of human being. Everything is about energy. You're um, if you want something in your life, if you want to reach people, it's all about energy. So I think this book really was a life changing for me. It's the power of positive thinking. Yeah, I really like this book. And I give it to my Where? friend, yeah. Because every statement I read is something happened, a story, and I become afraid. So I know this sounds stupid, but I give the book to my colleagues uh, just to read it. But, uh, but the book was really, yeah, resonant. Well, I will consider that a very strong endorsement to uh, to read it myself. Yeah. Um, where where do you see the Soft Robotics podcast in the next couple of years? What would you like to achieve? What are your goals? Yeah, I think for me, I think I wish I can continue, of course, and uh, but I I believe what I wanted to do is something related to education. So, to be honest, and that's something I want to highlight that. How, how science is really uh, underworld just you have to get publication and you have to pay fees so that you can access that so I, I have to be honest I want to have this podcast as a part tiny little bit that student from underdeveloped countries or because we have audience from region I never imagined uh, I can't find people like on islands and I don't know if they are real people or pots but I found people listening frequently, and I wish this kind of source available that 
can inspire other students who don't have the access to education so that they can know what is happening in the field. So I hope it, I can take it to another level, like educational tool. But I'm still thinking how we can make education more interactive and through podcasting, because I think YouTube, podcasting, I think that's a new way of education, to be honest. And it's still, it's shame that we have still have to be that, um, I can't share this information with you because I still have to publish it. I understand that, I understand the concept that there's, there's IPs and there's everything, but I, it's shame that sign that you can know because I have to publish or still under review or, I, I, do, I don't believe in that. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I believe. And as a uh, somebody who has an international perspective, you've lived in on um, two continents in five countries now. Um, the, I think no one, you have no a, one's doing this amount of relocation. <laughs> <laughs> you have a perspective that very few other people have. Yeah. Um, how would you describe the um, uh, the scientific research in your native country of Egypt? I know that um, we have, you know, many uh, doctors and engineers of Egyptian descent in the United States yeah. and in Europe, um, but you don't see a lot of published research coming out of Egypt at the yeah. at the moment. How yeah. would how would you describe it? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And first of all, I want to make disclaimer that I think. Um, it doesn't matter where you're from. The intelligence, if you are an intelligent guy or woman, it doesn't really relate where you come from. So that's first rule. But I think what really makes um, that sad thing about how how the management or how the leadership uh, is, because you have a great mind, assuming that you have a very nice building, okay? And I don't know how to say this analogy for that, but you have a very nice building, but there is no right people or maybe have a people and there is no place for them it's like it doesn't make sense if you have a great mind and you don't have funding it doesn't make sense if you have funding and you don't have a great mind it doesn't make any sense it's both of them needed so the same in, in I think in in maybe developing countries that you don't have enough funding for for science and that makes people we have a great mind I think every place they have a great mind but you don't facilitate this as this kind of uh, how you can facilitate their and to executing the ideas, deploying their ideas, and most importantly, the politics. Because uh, for me, I, I'm I'm introvert, and people assume introvert in a bad way, but I can explain what's introvert mean because there's misconception about being introvert. But there's a lot of politics, and you force a person to be, for example, to be in the kitchen all the time. You have to be here around the clock. But if I go to work, uh, people assume you have to stick to your desk and that's proof that you're working but maybe you're at home and you're still working and that's i think uh, also argument we have it's it's politics in, inside department and the overall politics and also the country itself if the country is just facilitating how how you have enough grants and how you encourage people to do that so if you don't encourage that and you don't have enough funding it's stifling you know so you don't have this it's like killing of the passion and that's why Many people start to maybe see if they have uh, ideas, they, it's, it's not the right place. Uh, so I think both of them, you need the great mind and you need the funding and the right politics. So that's, yeah. that's, uh, it's, that, I think that's a simple equation from my perspective, yeah. 
I wonder if you could tell us about your interest in visual art and yeah. uh, and drawing. Yeah. I saw this on your website yeah. that uh, one of your pastimes is artwork, particularly uh, dress design yeah. and female characters. Yeah. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I really like drawing so much. I think that's what I was doing when I was three, four. But I think what I can do still doing that is just drawing female characters with, uh, with the shape and accessory and hair and dress in a few seconds and uh, I was doing that uh, yeah some people saying that when I had high school that you have to go to art school and I was say engineering no that doesn't make any sense yes I, I love art so much but maybe this is something aside I can put aside but yeah I'm still drawing I, I, I love drawing so much and and painting but particularly I draw female characters and even I remember when I'm doing design for like uh, fashion design, sometimes I, I imagine that because I love design so much, I imagine how the design of the dress look. And I found that fashion design week like similar and I was shocked really. But yeah, maybe in the future, maybe I can, if I have the time to do that, but I really like uh, drawing female character and especially I do that very fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you... really fancy, but I know I'm not really arts, arts, but it's the fashion, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As the I am the son of an artist, so I uh, often I I cannot do visual art. Um, yeah. I'm I consider my writing fairly strong yeah. uh, to to be fairly strong, yeah. and I'm I'm a I'm an okay amateur uh, uh, pianist, uh -huh. but visual art is not. Uh, not something I've ever had any ability in, yeah. but I wonder if you think that there's a, a an intellectual connection between art, maybe not just visual art, but the arts and engineering. Of course, there's a lot of. I think in the podcast we have this discussion about. Yeah, I have artists, media artists in the podcast, and uh, yeah, of I think the biggest inspiration is the design. I think, uh, yeah, in the art, and I think when I do a drawing. Uh, for example, when I'm sad, I draw a character and it looks sad. And that's was, how does this happen, you know? How, when I feel happy and I draw the female character, it looks happy. And there's a psychology behind it, by the way. So, uh, so even the designing, how, how you get something out of the blue that you design something. And I think that's also happening in, in robotics of robotics when you design something and design shape. So I think there's correlation between the art and... Uh, Maybe this is not a great answer because I think uh, there is a lot behind that and I hope I can investigate that. But yeah, of course, there's a, a correlation, a strong correlation, of course. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you wouldn't mind if I asked some of the questions you ask your guests okay. to you. Okay, that's... <laughs> <laughs> what was the first robot that you built? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I. to be honest, I never completed a robot by myself. This, uh, that's maybe some guesses say that, but it was all the trial. So to be to call a robot a robot, I think maybe I called in 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 final year of school, graduate school, uh, no, and undergrad school with my team because I really love this team. We are seven guys and and we had to build our secreted plan and. Uh, and using uh, inertia navigation system. So I think that was the first maybe robot build with the, my colleague because I really love my colleague at this time at um, undergrad school. So we went to the workshop at aviation club and we have to build from scratch the aircraft. It was RC Cadet 25. So it's a huge craft, a small aircraft, yeah. 
Yeah. Excellent. Um, what is the most elegant equation or theory in your field and why? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I don't, I don't have really uh, a favorite equation, but I will tell a story about that uh, related to what happened to me because I, I proposed a model for ionic conductive polymer. I never published that. And uh, this equation, I know maybe is not uh, great, but uh, I developed by, based on proposed modeling. I never published. So, but for me, this equation, I know maybe it's not right. I don't know. But when I, I presented to this PI, he said, uh, to the PI, he said that uh, I, I told him this is a symbol equation. And he started to mocking about saying symbol. And he said, how on earth you say symbol? And that's something I hated. And, and I was looking to Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he said that symbol and beautiful and profound. And I take it from Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said about, I think, E equal MC square. So how this equation by Einstein that describe what happening? So this is, he said that symbol, beautiful and profound equation. And I told him, he said symbol, beautiful. I don't know why he said that it's wrong to say about equation symbol. I didn't understand, but uh, yeah, I think that's something uh, from Neil deGrasse Tyson and inspired. And in my work, which was not published yet, but uh, and I think will not never publish because I don't know. But this equation I proposed, although it's very simple, but it gives me correlation between uh, the morphology and the material properties. That's that's uh, I think fascinating to me. If it's wrong, I don't know, but uh, at least it keeps me to understand a little bit. Yeah. Well, your your answer was better than my first law of thermodynamics. So, <laughs> no, I, don't know, I, <laughs> I appreciate the personal connection to uh, to your equation. Okay. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your activities in uh, women in robotics, women yeah. in robotics uh, conference? Yeah, um, I think again, I would like to, because there is a lot of people. I really I would like to thank them because they believed in me. At the time, I was turned down, and I get rejection and failure. Uh, there are people who give me a hand, and I would like to thank Elizabeth uh, um, Flips. Uh, she she she's an assistant professor, I think, in Brown University. I still uh, I will have her also on the podcast. She's a really amazing woman, and I I came to know her when I was presenting at Women in Robotics, and I told her I wanted to do activities, and I really loved her. And she at the time I was this chaotic time, I was forced to leave. After two months, she offered me to come and organize, co-organize with her. So I think I, I'm so grateful for Elizabeth because she gave me a hand. And uh, I was super happy this time because I wanted to do something. At the time, I was just when you go and do work, this volunteer work, it just gave me happiness. I don't know, but I, I'm grateful for her and also Kristen uh, Herring, uh, both of them. They, yeah, they give me the opportunity to co-organize women in robotics. Yeah, and I'm so grateful for both of them. Yeah. Great. Uh, are, do you have any future events uh, planned with women in robotics? Uh, actually, women in robotics, that is a question because uh, in, in, that's, I think, a trend in the overall conference that we want to make inclusion. So we have to incorporate women in robotics, LGBTQ+, and underrepresented in one event, which is called inclusion. Because that was a long discussion that we don't want to make women in robotics specifically. So we want to make inclusive uh, 
uh, event and that what what's happening in RSS robotic science system or machine learning community uh, that's something even we discussed a couple of days ago they want to do inclusion and and make it merge it and I think that's that's right when you bring differences different background and different uh, communities I know it's a challenging and how you have uh, uh, um, a wise conversation that that suits everyone it's super challenging but I think that's important we don't want to make separate communities we want to make one blended community yeah, yeah that's a fantastic attitude so what is your uh, what is your what are your thoughts on inclusion and science and the ways that inclusion has impacted mm -hmm. science and engineering and perhaps even soft robotics yeah. research? Yeah, I think that's a very good question because I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking here about the student who will be the next generation because I really want to do something. Or we do something for student because the issue we have, and, and I have to be honest about that because I know some people don't believe in inclusion and diversity, and they are right because I have to be honest, and uh, it sounds sometimes cosmetic image uh, for universities. We are diverse, not sure about that. We are diverse, we have different background, but we are not inclusive. And I would like to thank my colleague because she's so amazing. His name is Victoria Edward. Uh, she was uh, the chair also with me was inclusion and we asked us this question in the meeting at all time what inclusion means to us what's the meaning of inclusion and it was a super challenge because in reality if we look let's be realistic uh, if you have inclusion and diversity but inside the lab um, there are many students can't speak up because you know this power dynamics and etc so you are diverse, but in reality, you're not inclusive. You're, not everyone is included in the session. Not everyone included in designing something. And that's so you would say that uh, the diversity is just the the accounting of this is the number of men, this is the number of yeah. women, this is but, the number yeah, of people that, from exactly. yeah. And inclusion is more of Tricky. an attitude, uh, like yeah, a yeah, cultural. Yeah. 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 So we have to be, we are diverse, but we are not inclusive. Uh, so that's, uh, and I also have an episode that will be, I think, released today or tomorrow about uh, this subject. Uh, I think uh, we were trying with Professor Ryan from University of Washington, and uh, we speak about, we spoke about that, uh, how, how we can find solution for that. Is it, is it why, we, why we don't believe in inclusion and diversity? Why some people, I, know, I understand people say that, oh, we just care about technical part. But I'm sorry if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have an either being in inclusive in representation of, of thoughts or be intellectual also inclusive, so that everyone have different ideas, have access to funding and grants. So it's really it's really complicated topic, and I think uh, there, there are a lot of dimension. For example, in this episode, we're trying to find solutions. So why professors don't believe some professors don't believe in inclusion and uh, of course, we have diversity, but inclusion. Yeah. And There's a saying that they don't know what they don't know yeah. if they've only known yeah. one way of doing things yeah. that is derived from one particular type of life experience, yeah. one type of of, yeah. uh, of background, then they, yeah. they don't know what they're missing out on. Yeah, but it's a human nature at the end of the day. Bias is ingrained in human, so it's, yeah. But I think maybe yeah, I, regulation or something can help in that, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the most noble callings in uh, in self-reflection and, yeah. and one of the powers of education is to use education to 
force oneself out yeah. of the 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 rut of human nature yeah. the uh the delta g minimum like yeah. if if i didn't care about the if i didn't take an active um approach to uh to these topics then yeah. where what would i uh what would i be doing and and i don't think any of us want to be in our you know a low free yeah. energy state we want to improve ourselves and yeah. to get out of our human nature yeah. uh when when exactly. possible exactly yeah um let me see is uh, are there are there other podcasts other science podcasts that you never or rarely miss like when they show up in your rss feed you're super excited and you download it immediately yeah first of all at the mention thanks to you and that's something i'm not saying flattering that i'm honest i'm i'm really candid so i, I think your podcast is really amazing for many remember reason uh in academia i think as you're a professor i think when you speak about mental health issue uh in the last episode about being undergrad and how you go to graduate school and selecting the lab and research not everyone that's what we need because i think most of students go for school grad school and for me uh I, I don't know what else I can do. If I can figure out what I can do, maybe I, I can go outside the grad school, but I think that's something we need to speak about because many students go blindly. And I think podcast, I think you podcast one of the powerful uh, tools for that as well. And also I love Brian Kering podcast and Eric Weinstein and Lexa Friedman, I think also is, is really interesting. So that's uh, a bunch of podcasts I'm following, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, those are, are also, uh, also ones and that Sand I, Carl, that I, I think yeah 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 but yes yeah, mm -hmm. to that yeah. um is there anything that uh you wish I had asked you that I did not uh no I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> any other any other topics it's okay if not okay oh I had another another okay. question what is the the quint what what Egyptian dish should everybody know about Oh. What? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I mean, yeah. my I married into a, an Iraqi yeah, family. Yeah, you and... know, vine leaves. Of course, I assume you're eating vine leaves, huh? Dolma. Yeah. It's dolma, yeah? <laughs> dolma, sure. Yeah, it's the most delicious. We have in Egypt, uh, dolmas is also. It's, <laughs> but it's, I think the Iraqi one is the most delicious one. It's like oh, fantastic, yeah. My my mother-in-law would be very happy to hear that. <laughs> but, uh, I became vegan and uh, now I like one year and a half, so I become vegan. So, But in Egypt, we have a lot of vegan food. But uh, Oh, you're vegan right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm vegan, yeah. So that's so out of out of all of the, uh, well, well, you know, congratulations on making the uh, the green choice. Yeah. I know it's very, it's actually yeah. quite difficult in Northern Europe, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of food available, but there's also a lot of meat per capita. Exactly. Eaten. Well, I think it's a culture thing because I think uh, in vegan way, you have a lot of alternative and you can have a really delicious food because I love cooking so much. So, yeah, I want to because, uh, yeah, I think you can have a lot of choices as a vegan. So I hope you can change your mind one day. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm vegetarian actually. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So I, I do eat, uh, I do eat cheese and, and oh. eggs, but, um, we've lived in this house since, uh, 2013 and yeah. we've cooked meat, yeah. I think five times 
in the in in the yeah. last seven years yeah. and those have all been at our uh, graduate student oh. uh, barbecue once <laughs> per summer <laughs> which of course we didn't have this year because of COVID-19 yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. we make uh, a lot of world cuisine yeah, in our house. Uh, yeah. uh, I've I've been a vegetarian um, mostly, yeah. you know, much of my adult life, but wow. a a de facto vegetarian. Yeah. Um, uh, in part because my my wife has been a vegetarian for yeah. several years wow. and you know i was yeah. a little bit before that but in 2020 i resolved to to do that wow. so uh you know in a more formalized that's uh, way. Uh, interesting so, so what is your favorite dish i don't know in future <laughs> <laughs> um well i don't know if you know my 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 Indian friends would probably, mm -hmm. you know, uh, criticize my Indian food. But I went to India as part of a national nanotechnology nice. yeah. infrastructure network since so NSF yeah. Uh, yeah. trip in 2008. Yeah. And um, I became obsessed with Indian yeah. food and, and Indian ingredients. Yeah. And uh, when my Indian friends come over to my house, they're yeah. shocked at my spice cabinet <laughs> because I have them all. We get them in bulk from the wow. international grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I made a Bengali dish called wow. uh, shukto, which um, has uh, the key ingredients are the, the loofah, which is a the 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 ridge gourd yeah. and then a, a bitter gourd which looks Whoa. kind of like a like a green dinosaur brain Whoa. that has these uh, hard seeds in them but the seeds are edible and actually kind of delicious you make me hungry <laughs> and, <I did. laughs> and and the uh the the drumstick beans oh. the uh the long sort of fibrous they look yeah. like asparagus uh, yeah. but they have these uh you know very tough fibers that you have to you know yeah. peel off <laughs> almost individually yeah. and there's a technique to doing it yeah, uh, but there indeed, there was yeah. a, a large amount of ginger and turmeric yeah. in it and uh, a couple of spices that i had never seen before yeah. like nigella seeds that i also had to get from the international <laughs> market <laughs> Uh, yeah. So that, I don't know if that's my my favorite dish. It was the most unique thing yeah. that I've made in a while because because of all of the ingredients. Yeah. You know, many of them yeah. the dominant flavors are quite bitter. Yeah. And uh, and and that was that was fantastic. But yeah. we make um, you know sabzi and uh, yeah. uh, uh, hummus and baba ganoush. <laughs> oh, my favorite! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's actually fairly easy to eat as a vegetarian yeah. or, or vegan uh, on the, uh, you know, what we call the euphemism in the United States is we yeah. call it a Mediterranean, yeah, you know, cuisine, easy. but yeah. is is really, you know, yeah. uh, Arabic and Israeli. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, well, this is a fascinating conversation. Thanks um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks and a lot for you. It's a great pleasure here again. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be in podcast. It's such an honor. Thanks a lot, Professor Darren. The pleasure is all mine. Thank, thank you, you, Marwa. Thank Take you. care.